0: Hello everyone, Sam here. If you're enjoying the show, and at least 12 of you are, we could really use your support. If you'd like to get early access to every episode of IC News as soon as it's finished each and every week, you can earn that sweet, sweet reward by signing up to our Patreon. From as little as a pound a month plus VAT, you can get early access to every episode and each and every weekly blog on the ICU Facebook page where all of this started. All the writing and editing involved with this show is a one-man effort, and your support is about the only way I can justify the amount of time I spend on it to my increasingly bemused loved ones. Moving forwards, I'd love to see it grow, and signing up to our Patreon really is the best way to make that happen. A tiny bit of your pocket change could make all the difference if enough people listening just take the time to sign up. To do so, you can check out the link in the podcast description, or just go to patreon.com slash icustories. Thanks and please enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse.
0: Late night pizzas are delivered to Brexit negotiators as talks between the UK and EU go down to the wire, but it's unclear if they were cooked or simply oven ready and full of shit. The government faces a 55-strong Tory rebellion over England's return to the Covid tier system, with Damian Green dissenting on the grounds that he's now been locked down for so long that he's completely finished Pornhub. Pretty Patel once again criticizes do-gooder lawyers and celebrities, further cementing her position as a woman who definitely isn't an unpleasant bully, but is nevertheless firmly opposed to ever doing good. And finally, Boris Johnson sets an ambitious new climate change target for the UK's future. It's hoped that just by shutting his mouth, Britain will be producing 68% less dangerous hot air by 2030. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore and you're listening to another episode of IC News. We've got the cheat code to get the hardest of hard facts straight into your desperate ears. And it's down, down, up, up, left, right, left, right, B, A, news. Unfortunately, the one thing we can't cheat to unlock for you is any insight into just what the actual fuck any of the country's businesses are going to be doing come January. Last-minute talks between the UK and EU's negotiating teams are currently still desperately ongoing. At this point, we still don't know if any kind of trade agreement has any realistic hope of dragging its carcass across the finish line. What we do know, for certain, is that despite all his bluster and insistence to the contrary, Britain's trading status with the EU appears to be the only relationship Boris is incapable of walking away from. Probably because so far the only trading mistress he's secured is Japan, and you just don't get many blondes over there. Waiting on bated breath for the British government to sort its act out seems to be the defining mood of 2020, which is why it was nice to get a slightly better look at the light at the end of the Covid tunnel this week. Unfortunately, even that light was quickly overshadowed by the antics of our elected officials. This week, Alison June-Smith has the keys to the Dimensional Gate, and we go to her now for the latest on the UK vaccination effort.
1: Thanks, Sam. It's the news we've all been sat around in our pajamas waiting for. The Pfizer vaccine has been officially approved by the UK regulator. From as early as next week, Britain could be the first country in the world to see coronavirus vaccinations start taking place. It's great news and exciting stuff, which is why it's so fucking annoying that the schoolboy dipshits in our government can't even celebrate a win without embarrassing the entire country – this should be a moment of celebration. And instead, I found myself cringing so hard that I've turned my own asshole inside out. First, we had Matt Hancock and Jacob Rees-Mogg patting themselves on their spineless backs, claiming that the MHRA's rapid approval was only because of Brexit. It sounds like a perfectly feasible claim, doesn't it? Cutting all of that Pesky EU red tape is meant to be one of the biggest pros of leaving the Union. The only problem is that it's a total lie. The UK is still bound by the terms of its EU membership and will be until the transition period ends. Britain has chosen to approve the vaccine under measures that are available to all EU member states. Brexit has had no impact on the regulator's ability to act whatsoever. So why claim it has? Probably because Brexit is shaping up to offer so few tangible benefits to the UK that Matt Hancock is now just desperately making some up. But there is a real danger to playing politics with the vaccine effort, and it could come back to bite some of our most clinically vulnerable people in their asses. The health secretary should know that. But he's such a smirking little twerp that he can't resist the urge to play up to the prime minister and his pet vanity project. Matt Hancock cares more about impressing his Dulux dog of a boss than he does about building public confidence in the safety of this vaccine. And then, God, Gavin fucking Williamson. The simpering, useless bootlicker who nearly fucked up the futures of an entire generation of Britain's children. The man with the voice of a Victorian sex offender whispering through a haunted kazoo. He jumps on early morning radio and gleefully declares that Britain approved the vaccine first because we're the greatest country in the world with the greatest doctors and regulators. And if you don't believe him, Britain's dad will beat up your dad. Honestly, I have no idea how Gavin Williamson even functions day to day. He's so immune to embarrassment that if his mum walked in on him wanking, he'd probably finish without breaking eye contact with her. The problem with all this stupid chest-thumping and self-congratulation is that it has consequences. We saw that when Anthony Fauci over in the States responded to all of this bullshit by suggesting that the UK's regulator had rushed its approval process. Comments like that filter downwards, and they harm public trust in the safety of vaccines. That results in fewer people opting in, and with fewer people vaccinated, we risk never reaching the herd immunity needed to actually stop the virus spreading. This is what we get when our cabinet is made up of honking public schoolboys with no humility. Idiot comments from idiot ministers with no regard for the consequences of their idiot actions. There's simply got to be a better system out there, which is why I've traveled the multiverse looking for one. This is Earth, Delta, Uniform, Plato 7. Here, the corridors of power aren't just a pipeline that runs from Eton College directly into Westminster. This Earth realized the folly of that system years ago and has opted instead to select its cabinet ministers from a different pool. The logic here is that you appoint them young, before years of privilege, and games of croquet and soggy biscuit can warp your sense of perspective. Just listen to how differently that interview with the education secretary went over here.
0: And lastly, Did the fact that Britain is in the process of and has Brexited, did that mean we got the vaccination world first ahead of the US and the EU? Yes or no, do you believe, Secretary of State?
1: (laughs) See? Now, don't get me wrong, it's not great. But it's still less embarrassing than anything Gavin Williamson has ever said. I'm Alison June Smith. Reporting for IC News.
0: As positive as the vaccine news might be, it's important to recognise that we're still a long way off from the sort of mass vaccination figures needed to bring a true halt to the spread of coronavirus. The end might be in sight. that's all the more reason to remain sensible in the face of a pandemic that for now still poses a very real risk to medically vulnerable and elderly people up and down the country. Pragmatism, vigilance and a sense of communal responsibility are still essential heading into winter in order to keep the R-rate down. It's a shame then that instead of preaching those values, we as a nation seem determined to instead amplify the dissenting voices of some of our most tedious culture war hacks. This week, the headlines were once again crushed and greedily snorted through a rolled-up banknote by rakish provocateur Lawrence Fox, the everyman least favoured son of an everyman acting dynasty. He desperately flailed for relevance by claiming he'd held a large dinner party for friends despite England's tiered Covid measures, before coming up with perhaps the most cringeworthy GCSE-level catchphrase ever in compliance is violence. For some insight into the man himself, and to try and find out just why he's decided to crowbar himself into the hot zone of every cultural flashpoint of the last year, Tom King has been hanging out with some of Loz's friends. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're totally right, Barnaby.
2: It is a question of, like, personal choice, you know? (sighs) Oh, I know, right? (laughs) It's like, where even are we anymore, you know? It's like, is this, you know, Primrose Hill or like Nazi Germany, right? (laughs) You're so right, Barnaby. You're so, so right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Thanks, Sam. I'm Tom King, currently enjoying a lovely lunch with a large group of somebody else's friends. Apparently, this lot are putting the world to rights. But to be honest, all I've heard so far is some hokey, ill-thought-out proselytising about free speech and a lot of sniffing. The question isn't what they stand to gain with all these protests, you know? It's
0: it's like, what do we have to lose? Does their moral crusade have
2: to come at the cost of our identity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so right, mate. You're so right. It's like... Uh, you can't erase our culture, you know? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't do that. You can't erase our culture. Yeah, and also, like, erasing culture, it's like... <sighs> <sighs> it's like white culture, you know?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Erasing other cultures is white culture. So if they do it, they're, like, appropriating white culture. And they're not even supposed to like that, you know?
2: Yeah? Yeah 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 can we say they like that by the way oh yeah yeah of course we can
0: yeah we're not racist we're not racist at all do you know
2: yeah i know obviously obviously we're not racists
0: yeah
3: yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah 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 fucking hell these people are awful You're probably wondering why I'm here, and to be honest, so am I. I've got zero interest in giving Lawrence Fox any of the attention he so desperately craves. I didn't even know who he was until he decided to reinvent himself as the bravest little foot soldier of 2020's culture war. I've done the research so that you at home don't have to, and apparently he's an actor and a musician. Although from what I've seen, he's such a shit actor that he can't even do an impression of a good musician.
0: Ha 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 That's a good burn, mate. A good burn. Lozza would love that shit. And do you know why? Because he'd respect your right
2: to say it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loza loves free speech, you know? Absolutely ruddy bloody loves it, yeah? <laughs> yeah. This guy, right? This guy is an absolute card. I'm telling you, he's trying to push our buttons.
0: You're right, Jemima Rakwai. <laughs> You're so, so right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Christ almighty. Look. Let's just drill down into the bare bones of all this. Lawrence Fox is not some maverick anti-establishment figurehead. Exploiting the country's anxieties to boost your own profile and launch an embarrassing political career out of the carefully cultivated controversy has nothing to do with legitimate concerns about the erasure of British culture. It's pure, unadulterated ego. Taking money from Tory donors and right-wing provocateurs to try and create your own political cult of personality isn't some grand act of anti-woke rebellion. It's the establishment working overtime to protect itself using a quite literal bad actor as a front. Loza is nothing more than the established orthodoxy's current darling, a walking embodiment of privilege and nepotism. He's mistaking publicity for his father's approval and he's fooling himself that the outrage of Twitter is comparable to his sibling's actual talent. He's too thick to realise he's being used and too arrogant to recognise that the little artistic success he has had, despite his own total mediocrity, is proof of the very inequalities and privileges he claims don't exist. The thin white douche hasn't got an insightful or original thought in his head. He's regurgitating every context-free and carefully orchestrated cultural outrage that his financial backers want him to vomit, like an angry teenage virgin who's just discovered Jordan Peterson for the first time. And as for the hard man act... Please. The only fight Lawrence Fox has been in in his life has been over the phone with Spotlight when he decided he didn't look brooding enough in the headshot his agent submitted for his listing. He's the only hipster who gets a fucking lollipop from his tattooist for being such a brave boy. Hey, well, you know,
2: that was, you know, less of a burn and more more of a character assassination, mate.
3: Yeah, that that wasn't cool, man. Hey, I'm just exercising my right to free speech here, guys. Setting the world to rights, you know. Look, I don't want to hurt any of your feelings. You seem like terrible people. It's just that at some point, the sense of entitlement and sheer bloody minded arrogance of tiresome, ill informed, overprivileged little hooray Henrys like you and Loza crosses a line. You're not the enlightened guardians of some hidden knowledge here to free the plebs from the shackles of their ignorance. You're an embarrassing little club of group thinkers who have never been truly challenged, not once in your overprivileged little lives. You've never had to see past the noses you can't even feel anymore. True equality is only a terrifying idea to you and Lawrence Fox because you all know deep down that it would show you up as painfully average.
0: I respect your passion, mate, but I think you're probably wrong, actually. And it's actually the work Brigade's fault that I never get cast in, like, casualty.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. and and it's cancel Culture's fault that my wife left me after I crashed the old Tezzy Tesla into a tree after a ruddy great all-nighter. You're so right, Barnaby. And you, Torrothan, you're both so... So, like, so, so right
0: Thanks, Jemima Require, I do appreciate that Now stop bogarting the mirror, will you? I've got a policy manifesto that needs some serious inspiration
3: (coughs) And there you have it I'm Tom King, and to be fair to Lawrence Fox's little dinner party There's not a virus in the world that could survive in any of these noses Reporting for IC News.
0: Now, before we leave you tonight, I feel it's important that this network operates with transparency and honesty. It's important to us, as a trusted journalistic delivery system for the hot suppository of news, that we hold ourselves accountable for the actions of our employees in the workplace. To err is human. To refuse to learn from one's mistakes is… whatever the opposite of human is. Mineral, otter, I don't know. Look, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you, the listener, deserves to know why you haven't heard from one of our correspondents for a while now. The simple, unvarnished truth is that they've been the subject of an internal investigation into their workplace conduct for some time now. Concerns were raised about the way they were interacting with their colleagues at IC News, and we moved swiftly to address those concerns. Now, we could have brought you the result of this investigation several weeks ago when it was much more relevant, but we chose not to, because it would have made us look bad. However, now is a much more convenient time to try and gloss over poor personal conduct and a serious breach of our workplace policies, so it brings me great pleasure to welcome back our demonic correspondent, Red Redmond.
4: Thanks, Sam. Before I begin, I'd just like to say that I really appreciate this opportunity to clear the air. It's a pleasure to be back on the network, but before we return to our normal duties, the listeners deserve a full and thorough explanation of what's been going on behind the scenes. I hope that today. We can offer them one.
0: Red, you're absolutely right about that. It's about time we put all of this unpleasantness to bed. But first, I just want to say that it's a pleasure to have you back with us.
5: And And what about
4: me? me? And you too, Alan. I guess. Just to clarify for everyone at home, particularly our new listeners, all seven of them... That other voice you can hear is Alan's. Alan is the parasitical shadow demon that lives inside my soul. I picked him up from a dimensional breach, one that was causing his own reality to bleed into ours, all the way back in season one. He periodically takes possession of my voice and body, and we exist in an uncomfortable and codependent state of symbiosis, a bit like my parents' marriage.
5: Well, that explains a lot.
4: Fuck you, Alan. As I'm sure our listeners will appreciate, it's a
0: complicated situation, and it feeds into the reason you two haven't been heard on the network for a while now.
4: Red, perhaps you'd like to explain what's been going on? I'd be happy to. Alan and I have been on a sabbatical for a number of weeks now. This was the result of a few isolated and unfortunate interactions with a small number of network staff.
5: And by isolated and small number, they mean it happened repeatedly in every department that we've been assigned to.
4: Yes, thank you, Alan, but I really feel like I should be explaining this.
5: And by unfortunate incidents, they mean I've disemboweled and or devoured more than a dozen people. That's right, but
0: as I've said, and as I also told the HR department when I overruled them for no good reason, I do believe these incidents were the result of an unfortunate misunderstanding.
5: That happened repeatedly and over the course of several months. Yes. And that I've shown absolutely no credible remorse for actually about that. If I can just interrupt
4: for a second, I'd like to explain that we've been on an extensive professional ethics training program as a result of these incidents. I feel like it's important to state that we've learned a tremendous amount as a result. Uh, Alan has grown as a demon and he is now in a position to resume his duties without facing any disciplinary action whatsoever because, Sam, you're the boss and you decided that's what you wanted to do despite the findings of an independent investigation that ruled his behaviour was totally inappropriate.
0: Now I just need to correct you there, Red, that's not quite true. I believe we have agreed that the deaths of over a dozen people does require some sort of
4: apology. Absolutely, Sam. And Alan is more than happy to offer that today. Not only for the benefit of our listeners, but also for the sake of the grieving children of his victims. But I don't want to. We've been over this, Alan. Just... Fucking say it.
5: Ugh, fine. I am deeply sorry if some people feel they were decapitated as a result of my actions. And? And it was not my intention that people would feel murdered as a result of my direct conversational style although it is not an excuse for my conduct, which I now accept was in some ways against the spirit of people's human right to not be devoured. I do feel it is important to point out that none of this unpleasantness was deliberate on my part.
0: Which is absolutely key here. If you don't understand that you're doing something wrong, even when, let's just say, Purely hypothetically, a civil servant physically collapses after you scream at them, or a showrunner has his arm ripped off and forcibly inserted into his own rectum, then you shouldn't be held
5: accountable for it. Exactly. I don't know that humans don't expect to be torn limb from limb in the workplace.
0: You didn't know, but now you do.
5: Yes, I do. I now understand that my words and actions, as well as the razor-sharp claws and talons that I can manifest at will, can hurt people's feelings.
0: That's good to hear, Alan.
5: And can also tear and rend their tender, delicious flesh. Okay, let's not dwell on that too much. And that by devouring their essence, although it causes me to grow more powerful, I do create what some might consider to be a hostile workplace environment.
0: Alright, maybe we should just leave it there.
5: And although this workplace provides a fertile harvest to feed my ascension, and the tide of blood is forever rising, and soon the serpent of the world's end will lash this plane of existence with its forked and the rise to devour all. I can and I will do better. I have learned from my mistakes.
4: Fucking hell, Alan. Right,
0: I'm glad we cleared that up. No harm done.
4: And we're back on full pay, right? Oh, absolutely. Nice one. Thanks, Sam. We, we are Red, Red Redmond. Redmond, reporting for IC News. So there we have it, everyone. I hope you found that explanation satisfactory.
0: And if not, why don't you just stop being such a fucking do-gooder? That story brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. President Trump releases a rambling 46-minute video once again claiming widespread voter fraud in the US election. And at this point, the White House doctors really should check to see if the Mad King's piss has turned as blue as Georgia. A politician named Adolf Hitler wins a local council seat in the Namibian elections and finds himself immediately suspended from the Labour Party. Prince Charles says he is praying that more live entertainment venues will be able to open soon, because more people at the theatre means fewer people sat at home on Netflix watching him be a total asshole in The Crown. And finally, Matt Hancock says he's up for getting the coronavirus vaccine on live TV but it's unclear what the benefits would be to the public, who already watch a little prick every time he fronts the Downing Street press conference. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye.
1: You've just been listening to the IC News podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, Can we reach more people, and build a larger audience? Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, So if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.